0: welcome to seeking paradise reflections on spirituality community and justice so obviously what 2020 is going to be remembered for is this pandemic this virus but this year also represents some other things and one of the things it represents is an important milestone which is the 100th anniversary of the separation of church and state in Wales. In other words, the anniversary of Wales becoming a secular country. I don't want to get too much into into the history of all this. But basically, partly because nonconformist churches were always so strong in Wales and also because none of the bishops that had been appointed into Wales were Welsh speaking for, for many years. There was an argument that the Church of England in Wales should be disestablished. And it was that. That's what it was. It was the Church of England in Wales. Despite a large amount of opposition from the House of Lords, a bill passed, meaning that there was no state church in Wales, and therefore creating an independent Anglican Church in Wales, which this year is uh, celebrating, of course. Therefore, it's a hundredth birthday, happy birthday to the church in Wales. It also meant things like land was taken, a large amount of land was taken from from churches and given uh, to the nation, to often universities. And this puts Wales in in a unique position as a secular country, which is not the case in England or in Scotland. And that's continued in an age of devolution. Unless I'm mistaken, and let me know if I am mistaken on this, the Senate does not have a chaplain and doesn't have prayers before sessions, unlike places like the House of Commons in London. And so I just want to talk a little bit today about about why that's a good thing, and the religious reasons, the religious reasons to support secularism. Now, when I talk about secularism, I'm not talking about something anti-religious. I'm talking about a separation between church and state. I'm talking about the state taking a neutral position with regards to religion, not pro nor anti any particular religion. Unitarians have largely supported this, this separation, largely, I think, because, because of a history of persecution. In past centuries, powerful forces of church and state have tried to wipe out and disempower dissenting minorities, Anyone not aligned with the state religion was persecuted uh, up to death at at some point in history and later in history uh, discriminated against, not killed, but but discriminated against uh, by having various rights taken away from them that are given to people who belong to the state religion, such as going to university. When state and church are aligned, it has tended to be bad news for any minority and every bit of power won by religious minorities in this country was hard fought for against massive opposition everything had to be fought for everything like the right to gather had to be fought for had to be uh, legislation passed through parliament the right to deny the trinity had to be fought for legislation had to pass through parliament for that to be possible the right to to go to university if you weren't a member of the church of england had to be fought for the right to hold weddings for religious minorities had to be fought for had to be argued for had to have a, a campaign and a law being passed all those rights for religious minorities every one of them had to be fought for every one of them had massive opposition against it from the status quo, everything was it wasn't obvious that, this, that the side that the side of religious rights would win because every religious right we have in this country was opposed by the establishment every step along the way. And so another reason to support the separation of church and state is that it tends to guarantee, better rights for religious minorities and I'm talking about proper what I'd call proper secularism by the way not an anti-religious secularism not a kind of a, a government having a policy that is actually atheistic or, or secularist policy of wanting to eliminate religion or, or just take rights away from religion I'm talking about a neutral policy towards religion, neither supporting one religion over any other, but allowing in a free society, people to have their rights and to practice their religion, whether they're part of the majority religion or a minority religion. That's why uh, an American Baptist Association wrote to Thomas Jefferson in 1802 when he was president of the United States, They were a religious minority. Baptists were very much a minority in those days. And they wanted to make sure they wanted reassurance that there was this separation between church and state in the United States. So that means they wouldn't be persecuted as so many religious groups went over to the states to avoid persecution. And Thomas Jefferson, who wasn't a saint, by the way, but contributed to our our thinking on this with this phrase, he assured them that there was a wall of separation between church and state in the US Constitution, which allowed them their rights. Now, of course, this always gets argued about in American society, in British society, in different societies around the world. All this stuff gets negotiated about what that means. But fundamentally, secularism, and why I'm a secularist is because I believe this secularism means. That as a citizen, you have exactly the same rights, regardless of your religion or your lack of religion. Though that's still not always true in all parts of our society, in all aspects of our society. So, for example, there are still local councils that hold prayers before council meetings. Now, I'm a huge believer in prayer. I'm deeply, deeply committed to prayer, and I want to recommend prayer as much as I possibly can at all times, right? But I'm strongly against formal prayers in council meetings. Because why should an atheist counsellor have to sit through a religious act that is not their philosophical, ethical position? Why should it be imposed upon them against their consent by having to be there because they're a council. There's nothing wrong with inviting people into prayer or into worship if they are invited and freely choose to enter into a religious act. That's fine. But when you force prayer on someone, when they're going about their business in a secular society, serving as as a citizen or, or an elected official, it's a completely unethical act to when they haven't in any way consented into a religious act, to impose that upon them. And I don't know why that's so difficult to understand. It's really not difficult to understand. When we talk about sexual ethics, the most important thing is consent. A consenting act is a lovely thing, right? But where there isn't consent, it's an abhorrent act, right? And the same is true of religion. If you choose to explore your spirituality, to engage with the holy, to engage in a religious practice, a religious community, into prayer, that's a wonderful thing. But if religion is is forced onto you, not with your consent, because of virtue of you needing to be in a place or being a citizen of a country, then it's an abhorrent act. The Quran says there should be no compulsion in religion. But the main religious reason to support the separation of church and state is because political power is basically really bad for religion. When religion, when a, a religion or a, or a sect of religion, a particular type of religion, understands itself as a majority, understands itself as having power, it is something that causes religion to go wrong. Because that lust for political power does not come from a healthy place. That wanting to be in charge, wanting to be the majority, wanting people to agree with you, comes from ego. It comes from ego. And when religion operates out of ego, things start to go wrong. When we start operating out of that place that wants to assert power over other people, impose our ideas on to other people, make the whole world come around to our way of seeing, of thinking, then we're beginning to get into trouble. Now we all think, you know, we all think from time to time, you know, if I were prime minister or if I were president or if I were world dictator. Right, I could set things right, right? If only I was in charge, I could sort this out. I could, you know, the world would be a better place if I was in charge. Don't you think that? I think that. And as the standard of our political leaders, frankly, has got worse and worse, I certainly do. Don't you? <laughs> I mean, don't you? Don't you think, oh, I could do better than these clowns, right? Yeah, we think that. as part of us that thinks that there's part of us that could be seduced into thinking, if only everyone in the world comes around to my way of thinking, if only I could impose impose my way of thinking onto the whole world, wouldn't the world be a better place? And yet that is the tyrant within us. I really think so. I really think there is a place, there is a part of us, there is something within most of us or probably all of us that is genuinely capable of being a fascist dictator because we can have that thought process. If only people did what I said, the world will be better. That's where, that's how dictators think, right? And it's it's, it's within us. It's within us. The spiritual life is about recognizing those parts of us that are capable of horrible things and that can lead us astray. And to say to those parts of us, hello, I see you, you're part of me, I'm making friends with you, but I'm going to put you here on the shelf and I'm not going to let you be the one in charge. You're there, you're a part of me. That thought process is within me. It's there. I recognize it. I see it. It's not going to be the way I operate. It's not going to be the part of me that is in charge. You know, it's so easy to see this in other people, right? It's easy to see it in a Trump, right? It's easy to see someone entirely operating out of their ego and without any. Kind of sense of connection and compassion. It's, it's it's so easy to see someone like that, and we go, yeah, that's someone without. who's operating out of ego, out of narcissism. There they are, and we point it out, and we laugh at them, right? And we're not wrong, but it's so much harder to see it in yourself. It's so much easier to point these things out in other people. What what's what's the hard thing to do? is to say, what part of me is that? What part of me is like that? Because there is. There's a part of you that's like that. There is, honestly. And that's the work. The work is seeing it, recognizing it, knowing it. And that's why Jesus says this kind of stuff again and again and again, right? Jesus is really, really clear in giving a diagnosis of this problem and saying, don't follow the path of tyranny. That you can see this in other people. You see that, you see that over there, you see what they're like. Don't be like that. Take take the low road. Take the road of servanthood. If you wanna be first, be last. You need to do that. To bring your ego under control. And to allow, the divinity within you, your, your true self, your human self, your compassionate self, your Christ self, allow that to do the driving and not your ego self, your tyrant self. That's still there. It's not, it's not gone. You don't transcend it. It's part of you. The part of you that that's wants to impose yourself on other people. But you don't allow it. To drive, you recognise it. You see it. You don't allow it to drive. You don't allow that part of yourself to drive that wants to be in charge. That wants your religion to be the state religion and get rid of anyone who dissents, because that's what's happened in history. Is people have allowed that to happen, allowed their what they think is their what they think is good things. Their meaning, their ethics, their religion, their faith, these are good things. So let's impose them on other people because it's religion operating out of ego. And that's very difficult to resist if you're the majority religion. It's very difficult to resist if you're the state religion. And so being a state religion is something that's likely to lead people astray, lead people onto the ego path and not to the Christ path. We're all much more likely to not be seduced into that problem if we live in a secular country where there is religious freedom for all people. Then we're much more able to recognize that process because we know we're not in charge, and operate out of that foundational, truer spiritual place rather than the ego. And so that's a good religious reason to want to live in a secular country. And so I, I thank God that I do here in Wales in 2020.